0: My name is Sarah Dudmitz, and you're listening to PR Hangover, a public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter. All right, so I'm here with a special guest today. Scott, do you want to go ahead and just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So my name is Scott Cowley. I'm a professor of marketing at Western Michigan University. I've been here for about three and a half years. And uh, my whole specialty here is in the area of digital marketing and social media. We have a digital marketing degree and program here that I'm um, helping lead and grow. And, uh, and that's what I did before becoming a professor, too, is um, I did my undergraduate at BYU in Utah and then um, worked for a few years specifically in the area of search engine optimization and worked for a couple of different companies doing that out in Salt Lake. And then decided that I love digital marketing enough that I wanted to do it um, as an academic and uh, research and teach in that area, and then um, went down to Arizona State and did a PhD there before taking a job out here in Kalamazoo, so that's what brings me here.
0: Awesome, and thank you for being here today, I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, so to start off, um, for those who maybe didn't get to watch the Super Bowl, didn't see any of the advertisements, can you sort of give us Big overview, Reader's Digest version of Planters Baby Nut.
1: Okay, so so Planters is a peanut company. It's been around for a long time. Um, they have not run a Super Bowl ad in about 11 years, so this is kind of a big deal for a company who has not been in a Super Bowl for quite a while. And they've got this mascot that everybody's familiar with called Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut
0: has been around since 1916, so over 100 years since this thing first made
1: an appearance? Well, um, Planters worked with a, a company called um, VaynerMedia and they really decided to go big or go home and take a huge risk which was essentially to kill off their mascot. And so they had a, a essentially a teaser ad before the Super Bowl where, um, where Mr. Peanuts basically dies, falls off a cliff to save a couple of his buddies, Wesley Snipes was one of them, (laughs) and um, and so they run this teaser ad, and that's all you've got right before the Super Bowl, is you, all you know is that Mr. Peanut is dead and then uh, during the Super Bowl, they ran kind of the follow-up to this ad, where they're at Mr. Peanut's funeral, and Mr. Clean is there the Kool-Aid man is there, and I think um, Kool-Aid man drops some tears on the grave, and from out of the grave, Sprouts what is this new uh, icon called uh, Baby Nut. And uh, and that's kind of it. It's a uh, fresh beginning for what has been a, a mascot that I think a lot of people consider to be really iconic and memorable, but also not necessarily that relevant uh, today. Mm-hmm. Not not something that's taking up a lot of mind space in, in the typical consumer's mind. So, so they do this, and um, you know, the, the, the thing is, if you spend, you know, $5.5 million on a Super Bowl ad, which is, I think, the going rate this year for a 30-second ad, um, you've got to realize that there has to be a lot more money spent in addition to that just to make sure that you fully capitalize on that exposure, right? You've got costs that we don't even know are going into this in terms of production, in terms of distribution, everybody's showing their ads online before you even get to the Super Bowl, and typically they're putting campaign money into it as well to, to promote this. So, so the, what it essentially boils down to is um, they, they air this ad, all of a sudden you've got this new figure and we're kind of in this nice little perfect, t- perfectly timed uh, spot where babies are really cute, baby figures of the likes of um, like Baby Yoda on The Mandalorian. Uh, baby Groot um, is, is also one, and so I think they're kind of trying to ride the wave a little bit. So everybody, you know, when this happens and you've got this new character and and he's cute enough, which in this case, as cute as a baby peanut can be, <laughs> then, then it's, going to, it, it's going to naturally result in a lot of interest and a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people potentially searching um, for this and uh, seeing what they can find this and I think what what ends up happening is um, is planters just really drop the ball on capitalizing on this new campaign, new figure, and uh, and how we know this is that um, one is if you go looking for for baby nut right after this happens in the first you know 24 or 48 hours even you uh, you're not going to find anything. All you're going to find is is articles written by Uh, different publications about the ad or about about the character so they they have no search presence at all um for baby nut and and one of the uh, uh, seos dan sure even calculates and estimates that you know they probably had about a million people searching for baby nut in that uh little window of time after after they aired this ad so there's nothing um there's nothing found that's Uh, official from Planters when you go searching for it, you go to Planters.com they mention the teaser ad but they don't, they they had zero mention of Baby Nut or the follow up ad on their website Um, typically if if a company uh, runs an ad like this they would be paying for search ads to be able to at least capture some of that interest after people are doing those searches and in this case Planters didn't do any of that it turns out, I guess the last Piece to this is that it turns out that they had actually built a full fledged uh, shopping website with baby nut apparel called shopbabynut.com. Hmm. But what we found is that they had done, um, they had put some code into the pages of the site that accidentally took it out of Google completely, kept it from ever being visible in search results. So nobody ever found this unless they heard about it from somebody else. And that's um, you know, not what you want to have happen if you've just dumped a lot of money into completely reinventing your brand and brand icon and you want to you know, take it full advantage and capture some of the interest um, while you've got it because you'll never reach that level of interest again mm-hmm. outside of the, the little window uh, right after this thing airs in the Super Bowl. So that kind of covers the the overall picture of what happened, I think it, it comes out later that, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, who runs VaynerMedia, you know, in one of the Twitter threads said, hey, this wasn't really our fault. We've got other companies involved when we're doing a campaign like this. So he kind of, uh, um, shifted some blame, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those funny things that, um, that you, a typical consumer may not have picked up on, but, digital marketers are, are seeing this and you know shaking their heads at.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting and so unfortunate. So what would you say planters did wrong? I know they there were probably a lot of different companies and things involved in production. Do you think it was just a lack of communication or just a lack of preparation?
1: Well if you look at if you look at uh, what it takes to support one of these ad campaigns you need to have um, you know you need to have a strategy for people who are going to go searching for the campaign, whether it's on Google or YouTube. You need to have a strategy for um, what you do with people who go searching for that campaign. In this case, I think their intent was maybe we can drive some merchandise with that. Uh, there are other things that they potentially could have done with um, with all of this interest, right? They, they could have, um, funneled these people into, uh, an email list would have been a very, uh, sensible thing to do so that they could then reach these people later. They could have, uh, driven these people to, um, follow the company on one of their social media channels with the promise of kind of continuation of this story. Since people are now interested, they want to see what happens next. And, uh, and I think that they just, they didn't have any, um, any advertising plan, they didn't have any additional content plan that would kind of pick up where the Super Bowl ad um, leaves off. They didn't have any way to kind of uh, bring these people into the planter's community after it happened, which is what you'd want to do if you want to be able to. I mean, ultimately, this is a company that sells nuts. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not like you're going to be able to drive a lot of revenue right after a Super Bowl ad for for Planters. But it's a much more strategic long-term brand-based uh type of ad where we are trying to make sure that we stay relevant in in public consciousness. So, um so it's about making sure that when people have potentially a really good experience with an ad, that all of a sudden you don't disappoint them when they want to continue to engage with um with that ad or with that ad content, and that comes in a lot of different forms.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if they were to bring you in to sort of consult, what would you say they could have done better in hindsight?
1: Um, <laughs> you know, my background is all in search engine optimization, mm-hmm. and so you know, me and all my all my SEO friends are are all talking about like, what what do you do in this case? You know, you you don't necessarily want people to. Know exactly what's going to be in this ad before you um, before you run it on, on Super Bowl Sunday. Even though for a lot of companies out there, that's not a big deal. But I think they really wanted to make this a surprise. Mm-hmm. So that means you really need to have a um, enough web pages set up to uh, take advantage of the people who are going to go searching for this. Figure out uh, what you're going to have on those on those pages to capture interest and keep those people as part of the community, if it's gonna be through email or through social media or both or through YouTube subscription, figure out what your strong call to action is going to be. You wanna make sure that you have um, a full search marketing campaign to make sure that you do have a presence, um, that you've got fully optimized websites that, uh, that you're also promoting so that all of the articles that end up being written about you by other publications and and all of the websites that write about Super Bowl ads. That they have a very specific page you want them to link to, so that that page will be the one to show up uh, long term in search results as the main hub for searches around um, baby nut. But in this case, they you know they did not have any of that material prepped and. Um, you know, it used to, it, what's interesting is you used to have uh, a lot more companies trying to make sure that they incorporated website domain names or hashtags or things into the Super Bowl ads to try to specifically shape the conversation and to drive people in different places. I feel like they probably would have benefited, especially since they went through the work of actually creating a whole microsite selling baby nut gear. Um, so it's it's really just making sure that you have all these different teams that have worked on different pieces of this campaign to actually talk to each other and do some double checks and think you know, what is, what is the best possible thing that could happen because of this and how do we make sure that we are prepared to take advantage of that.
0: Interesting. So to sort of turn it a little bit, what other Super Bowl ads really stuck out to you um, for better or for worse?
1: Uh, so, so I watched all the Super Bowl ads um, in, in a single binge-watch session just <laughs> to see if if you, if you watch them all at once, then you'll really get a sense of which ones actually uh, stand out mm-hmm. and, and which ones don't. It's And so it's interesting to kind of look at the trends in this year's Super Bowl. Um, there were a lot of kind of the emotional messages that uh, – potentially got some mixed reactions. I mean, I'm specifically thinking about Google's ad got some pretty high uh, scores among people and mm-hmm. how it tells the story of, of a man using Google technology to retain memories and, and photos of, of his wife. And it's a really, really touching emotional ad. Um, but you had a lot of people who had like very mixed feelings about this ad. And you know, I said, that this is not, not what I signed up for when I, watch the Super Bowl so so you have a lot of interesting storytelling that companies are trying to bake in um, or even just like social issues that uh, that different companies are trying to um, trying to tie their company to um, I think Olay and and some other companies had had certain approaches um, of that variety I noted what what's funny is that you have different companies that, during the Super Bowl who are potentially trying to reach slightly different target markets. And they're often trying to do that through the uh, the special guests or celebrities that they have in these ads. And it's really funny because you you watch these ads and the typical person is, is going to see these ads and, and the way the ads are structured, they're going to be left thinking this is probably a famous person, and I have no idea who it is, mm. right? They, they, they've used either they, – they could be YouTube celebrities. They had TikTok celebrities that I you know, read about after the fact. Um, and if you're, a, if you're a typical watcher and not familiar with these individuals, you're going to feel a little bit strange. You're going to feel left out of the conversation. And, uh, or, or you just won't even pick up on it, and, and brands won't benefit. Mm-hmm. So they had a number of ads like that. I mean, they had an ad for um, for Hummus that used a bunch of these different Internet celebrities and influencers and, uh, and had one of the lowest ratings from USA Today's um, ad meter in terms of general audience response. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you that uh, you may not get all the mileage you're looking for if you choose to use celebrities, especially if you've got a few different celebrities that seem somewhat disconnected um, I mean one one company that um, did a phenomenal job and was like the highest rated ad was Jeep using Bill Murray in, uh, in a Groundhog Day nostalgia ad and uh, if you haven't seen this one and, and you have first seen the original Groundhog Day movie then you've got to go watch um, the Jeep ad with Bill Murray who essentially steals the Groundhog and then takes it on a joyride every single day in this bright orange jeep and uh, and that worked really really effectively because it did not try to kind of spread this um this appeal across a few different celebrities i think is is the risk you you take if you're getting a whole bunch of different people that aren't necessarily closely connected now now that may or may not actually be um true because you have Hyundai that had a few different Bostonian celebrities in in a car ad that otherwise have nothing to do with each other other than in this particular ad they all share a Boston accent mm-hmm. and uh, and that I think worked pretty well but, um, but other than that I didn't see too much this year that I would consider overly innovative but it's, it's pretty typical for, um, for a Super Bowl ad season too. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was anything that that made people very angry. <laughs> <So> most, <laughs> most companies I think played it pretty safe. And, uh, and it will probably benefit for it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think one thing you said that sort of intrigued me was about Google's, because I did see Google's ad. Um, I watched it later on Twitter. And it was really emotional and I thought it was very, very well done, but I think there's sort of the idea of the time and place that you're seeing it in in the context that your audience is viewing the ad in cuz you're right when you watch the super bowl you might not be prepared for something that, that that's that emotional so that is a really interesting point
1: but it's also kind of a calculated risk maybe if you want to if you really want to get people talking then you show them something that they're probably not expecting and that could that could be the creative concept within the ad itself or it could just be the emotion that you generate like Google generated an emotional response that was not something that people necessarily um, went into the Super Bowl anticipating and Mm -hmm. when that happens, I think it makes your ad stand out a lot more and gets people talking and hopefully not in a negative way.
0: That is interesting. Um, And one question that I always like to close podcasts with is, now that you have all of your professional experience and personal experience, if you could go back and talk to yourself at twenty years old. What is one piece of advice that you would give?
1: Uh well, I I've told this to my own students when when we get to the end of the semester and and I kind of talk about a little bit of my own career path, which, you know, I didn't I wasn't always in digital marketing and kind of stumbled my way into it. But I, I made a couple of really good moves when I first got into digital marketing and, and had this new job and didn't know um, didn't know anything about it really you know some a, a company took a chance on me and i really needed uh, a job i was already graduated and um and the couple of the best things i did very early on like in the first month of this new job which was a new uh it was a small um, agency called seo.com and i was basically just learning seo from scratch and they had a little bit of training but a lot of it was just kind of learn as you go and one thing i did was um I went out and I bought SEO for Dummies, like the book SEO for Dummies, <laughs> just because I didn't know it and I was kind of being fed all these different things in my job and realized I wanted a much more kind of like standard foundational training in this topic. And what I what I did is I would read this at night and my wife would actually create quizzes for me based on the materials and the chapters in this book and just because I really wanted to get up to speed as fast as possible and that was the first time that I had ever I felt like invested in my own learning rather than just kind of waiting to be trained assuming that somebody else knew what um knew what training I was supposed to be getting and uh and because of that I got a really solid foundational knowledge really fast and it made it so that everything else that I was fed from other employees or from my boss, I knew where it fit in um, kind of in the big scheme of things and why it was important and what it meant. And so, um, so yeah, my my best advice is, is to be willing to actually pay money to invest in your own learning, even if it's something as simple as buying a book. The other thing I did really early on was I bought my first website and um, and my boss showed me how to set that up and it was a pretty um, spendy investment to pay for a couple years of, of website hosting but it was incredibly valuable for me just to start experimenting and learning how to, um, how to how to operate a website and what I could do with it and having a public platform like that you where know, I started writing there and, and so some of those some of those early decisions, I think, um, are good lessons for anybody that uh, you know. Don't necessarily wait around, assuming that somebody else knows how to train you and and what things you should be taught. But um, but be willing to invest in your own in your own learning and, and
0: training. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the idea of sort of taking initiative over your own learning too. All right, Scott. Well, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to PR Hangover. If you'd like, you can give us a follow on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA, and you can check out our show notes at GVPRSSA.com.